Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. Welcome to a special episode of the Fanboy and the Hater. This will be, when we publish it, our 50th episode, five zero episodes. Insert cheering sounds here. Since this is our episode five zero, we thought we would run down five lists of five things. We're going to go through our top five most downloaded episodes, our bottom five least downloaded episodes. Then both Mike and I have prepared a list of five episodes are the ones that we want to revisit to talk about something that we wish we had said when we recorded it, or just to point it out as one of our favorite episodes. And then we'll end with a preview of five future episodes. So first up, our top five downloads. As we're recording this in mid-July, so some of the numbers may be off. As we go through our list, I will occasionally also insert clips into this episode. So we're going to go through lists of episodes. And for the ones that we've already released, I'm going to also be cutting in some clips from those episodes. So, first up for our top five downloads, in the number one position, all-time most popular fanboy and hater episode is We Are the Gosh Darn Teen Titans. You should have said it like, We Are the Gosh Darn Teen Titans. Fellow heroes, I've learned something important today. You don't need to be super to be a superhero. You just need to be yourself. It's kid-oriented, but I think it's a good moral overall for the story. It's a good feel-good type of movie. If it wasn't for all the reference jokes in this movie, I would find it completely unwatchable. Okay. But there are so many reference jokes referencing other episodes from the past referencing superhero movies in general and other movies there's just so many references and very easy to miss them but if that's what you're watching for it's great and that also might fall back into that category again of like the adults watching with the kids might focus more on those type of elements and not pay as much attention to the story and there is like you said there's stuff in there for adults to see the references and find funny and enjoy the movie as well so in the end that tried to show at least that When there's trouble, you know who to call. And from their tower, they can see it all. When there's evil on the attack, you can rest knowing they got your back. We think that those are the words to the original. I'm pretty sure. It's pretty uh, close. Teen Titans theme song.
Are you still surprised or not surprised at all that that has remained our number one episode? I am very confused by it. Like, we have a theory on why it initially started getting some downloads, but the fact that it got that many, and as you'll see by the next one, how many more than anything else? Yes, because we have, we have just recently passed 2,000 total downloads for 49 episodes. We Are the Gosh Down Gene Titans has 202 downloads. So roughly speaking, 2,000 downloads, almost 50 episodes. We're averaging about 40 downloads per episode. This has 202, (laughs) 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 which is almost 100 more than the next most popular episode. I only guess is it's because it pops up first when people do a search and they listen to that one and go, yeah, I don't really want to listen to this anymore. And that's why they don't know the other ones get much less. <laughs> or our other theory that the copyright infringement lawyers are listening to this episode. Yeah. Because the editor put like 87 three-minute clips. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 87% of the movie. 87% of the movies, or maybe 87% of the episode, are clips from the movie or entire scenes from the movie. Yes. That is usually the episode where, Mike, if you are regular listeners, you've noticed that we've used clips less and less over the course of our episodes. Mike always points to that episode as too many clips. (laughs) Rephrase that. Okay. Not too many clips, too long. I am the insulted. There's a handful of episodes that I edited that I put a lot of clips in. But it's like one word or like a phrase or something like that. And then you're putting like the entire trailer in. I'm like, if they wanted to listen to the entire trailer, they just watch the trailer. We should try that. Let's just put out an episode that's just a trailer of something and see how many downloads that gets. (laughs) From the lawyers. (laughs) So that has 202 downloads. And that was actually released in October of 2019. The podcast launched in September of 2019. And the the thing that was funny about that one, too, is we weren't even planning on recording that. We were going to record about a completely different movie. We watched the movie, came back and went, I don't really know what to say about that. Is there anything else you've been working on? You you said that you like you watched Teen Titans recently. The, the movie was Teen Titans Go to the Movies, wasn't it? Yes. And recently it was Teen Titans versus something that had just come out on dvd it was teen titans go to the movies that i had watched and then you pointed out that there was also teen titans go versus teen titans yeah that one and you're like oh let's go buy that and at target and maybe we can do a compare and contrast or something yeah so it was just kind of a let's record something and see how it turns out and apparently we need to do that more often <laughs> yes we went to see zombie land 2 was the movie we went That's to what see it was. we had on a friday night we had nothing to say about it other than that we liked it we thought it was funny so on the way home, we bought the Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. And then that next day, I spent most of Saturday in my bunker preparing my master plan <laughs> and then came over that Saturday night and we recorded it. And yeah, and then, of course, I did the editing and put a ton of clips and very long clips into it. And that has become our most successful episode. What's number two for the most downloaded? Number two from May of 2021. So a relatively recent episode, Stand Up Comedy. There's such a big difference between like sitcoms, sketch comedy, and stand-up comedy. It's all funny. It all has similar delivery, but they're completely different worlds. They're completely different worlds, and stand-up is also probably one of the most honest or open forms. There are jokes that can only be told in stand-up. Right. There are some topics that can only be discussed in stand-up. I was always really drawn to stand-up 
because it's more raw and seems more real. Kind of worked up a list of main stand-up comedians that I grew up really liking. Louis C.K. was one of the first. Louis Anderson, Andrew Dice Clay, Ellen DeGeneres, Dave Attell on HBO was one of the funniest people I've ever seen. Maria Bamford, George Carlin, of course, Rodney Dangerfield, a little bit of Bill Cosby, but I didn't really watch much of his stand-up. Norm MacDonald killed me. Janine Garofalo, Bobcat Goldthwaite, Whoopi Goldberg, Sarah Silverman, Colin Quinn, Stephen Wright. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Christopher Titus was, has always been huge for me. I've always really liked him. And those were the ones that really shaped and pushed me into why I like stand-up so much. A lot of those people, I saw their, not all of them got one, but I saw their TV shows. Like Christopher Titus? Yeah. I saw her television show. Never saw, I've, till this day, I've still never seen Christopher Titus do stand-up. I wasn't even sure if I even knew that he did, was a stand-up comedian. I just saw a sitcom. Right. And a sitcom was based off a of stand-up. Right. I'm not trying to drift into sitcoms, but it's like, same thing was like, everybody loves Raymond. Ray Romano. Yeah. Until recently, I had never seen Ray Romano do stand-up comedy. I think maybe when that show was on, I had heard someone say that it was based on his stand-up comedy, but it meant nothing to me. It's like, I don't know. Who cares? It's a sitcom. It's funny. I'll watch it. But never really thought of him as a stand-up comedian, and until recently had not seen him do any stand-up. Same thing with, like, Drew Carey. Yeah. I know he was a stand-up comedian. Never saw him do stand-up, but I like the Drew Carey show. Yeah. Same thing with Ellen. I knew Ellen DeGeneres had done stand-up. First time I saw her was her show, Ellen, which I liked. I don't remember when her show started, but I do remember going, oh, sweet, she got a show. Because I knew her from stand-up before that. And I don't know how I knew her from stand-up before that, because I don't know that I ever even saw it. It was probably actually late-night shows. Like, Carson was a little bit before my time. Like, I caught the tail end of that, but it was Leno. And then I was a huge Conan O'Brien fan. And that's where I, I would catch a lot of clips of stuff. One, like, topic that popped up, that there's no line that should be... If you set a line that you can't cross, then that makes everything else you've done possibly offensive. Whereas if there is no line, you make fun of everybody and everything, then it is less offensive, or you, you can claim that it's just a joke more. But if you set a line, that means you think that that's offensive, but this isn't. Right. And I think that even the comedians who don't cross that line, at least they do a good job of pointing out that there is a line there. And sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Because again, some of those topics where there is a line, there's just not enough social conversation going on. Yeah. Which makes me wonder on that one, because this is where my brain goes, is did we say something highly offensive and they're like preparing the uh, prosecution? Like we're going to get targeted here soon because of something offensive that we said in that one. Because regular listeners know that I fucking swear on this podcast a lot, and I actually included a vulgarity warning at the beginning of that episode, because we were even, or I should say, I'm usually the guy who works blue. I was even more vulgar than usual in the stand-up comedy episode. We were wondering, what, did we offend people with all of the extra dirtiness, or do people really like comedy? And because stand-up comedy is our second most popular episode, now we've started to record while we're both standing up. I don't know. <laughs> but it's only a couple of months old at the time of this recording, and it has 108 downloads. And again, our average is around 40, with most episodes hanging out in like the mid-20s. So it's very rare. Yeah. 
Plus, it also was one of those things where it's made our more recent episodes look dwarfed in comparison <laughs> because that's only been a couple of months ago. So our more recent episodes have gotten very few downloads because it seems like everyone's downloading stand-up comedy. <laughs> and Flaley McGee over there slapping his computer. Yeah, I don't know if it's better or worse that I'm standing because now I can. You don't have to though. You, you don't have to flail. I don't have to flail, but and, and I like to dance a little bit behind the microphone, and Mike loves it when I do that. So yeah. <laughs> Number three for our top five downloads is our very first episode, origin story. Pop culture shaped my life so much. I don't really talk about it. I've maybe two or three people I've ever said anything about this to, but I've often throughout my life struggled very deeply with like depression and anxiety and having pop culture as a way to escape real life and go to another world where anything is possible, be video games, comic books, movies, music, anything like that is a way that I can just move to another realm where real life issues do not exist anymore. It helps me escape and then come back refreshed. So it has really helped me with that. I also have at various times throughout my life and to a certain extent also currently struggle with depression as well. Many times throughout my life, I did not have many friends and my television was an escape, like I said, whether it would be to a galaxy far, far away or it would be to some bizarre uh, comedy or something funny like the A-Team or something, again, imaginative like animation and something like that. It definitely was a, a welcome break from the real world, and it definitely helped me get through some difficult times. Pop culture in general and a lot of the shows that we end up talking about on this podcast have played an important role in our lives, and we do appreciate that. I also did not have a lot of friends growing up, and I escaped into TV quite often. I would hyper-focus into the TV. But really, for me, I didn't have a lot of friends simply because I didn't care or want them. I w I've always been more of a loner. I've always liked to stay alone. I know people kind of make fun of me because I don't leave my house. As a matter of fact, you have to come here to my house to do this <laughs> podcast. Well, in fairness, you do have the better setup for podcasting. <laughs> grade school especially, I was friends with the popular kids, but then I never did anything with them because I wanted to do my own thing. I had my own interests, which usually went into a nerdy realm. Uh, I know my cousin still gives me crap about how often she heard me yell, I have the power! <laughs> I watched He-Man so much all the time and then really dove into Ninja Turtles. My mom knows more about Ninja Turtles than she would ever care to know because I would never shut up about Ninja Turtles. All that stuff, that became my world. And it helped. It helped with everything. It kept me happy. It always, and continues to keep me happy. It always, when, no matter what else is going on, it's a place that I can go and be happy. We kind of bared our souls a bit in that episode. I've, that one, actually, I got a lot of compliments from people that were initially starting to listen on that. And then, obviously, they never kept listening. <laughs> Yeah, that has 81 downloads. Came out in September of 2019 when we debuted. It was not the first episode we recorded, right. but it was the first episode we released. It wasn't we, like the third episode we recorded? It was, because we had done Solo and Shazam, mm -hmm. and they were like, you know what? We need like an intro type episode type of thing. And we had some other like more boring version of it, and then we're like, we need an origin story. I think it was kind of like, how do we introduce ourselves in a way that really explains what we want to do and who we are. Right. 
And our initial attempt was just like, hey, please listen. And this one was kind of more of like, hey, this is where we're at. This, this is what you like. This is what I like. This mm-hmm. is what we want to do. Let's move forward. And then we changed everything. Exactly. We also told a lie in that episode. We promised that we would do more than just Star Wars and superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel bad about it. I promised I was going to do fanboy favorite episodes. Yeah, we made a lot of promises in that episode that this didn't stand up the test of time. We, we were throwing a lot of ideas at the wall, and not all of them stuck. To be fair, I did try recording a couple of fanboy favorite episodes. I don't find it entertaining when it's just me. And for me, if it's not entertaining, I don't want to put it out. Maybe if you did it like against a mirror, you know, like you're talking to yourself as like a variant or something, maybe you could do a solo episode. We don't need a live suicide. <laughs> Number four... On our list for the top five downloads is... I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman! There's a difference between playing Bruce Wayne and playing Batman. Are we really talking about two different characters? Yeah, we really are. That's exactly the point that a lot of people tend to make. Batman is basically who Bruce Wayne feels like he is. Bruce Wayne is a character he portrays to throw the scent off so people don't think that he's Batman. The only reason Bruce Wayne exists is for Wayne Enterprises and to protect Alfred and Dick Grayson and those that are connected to him on a personal level. A lot of actors play Batman really well, but then when they go to play Bruce Wayne, they don't really play much different. Basically, playing Batman even when they're not wearing the cape. Yeah, exactly. They're not separating the two characters. I have a very controversial opinion on this on who played the part the best live action. I actually think Val Kilmer did the best playing both because he did separate the two. He played a good Bruce Wayne. He played a pretty good Batman. He wasn't great at either, but he balanced the two probably the best. For most of us that are in the Batman world, Kevin Conroy is really the Batman. He's done the most movies. They were animated movies until the live-action appearance he's going to have. Well, end series. You mean he did the best job playing Batman or Bruce Wayne and Batman? Kevin Conroy didn't really know much about Batman when he got cast as this role. And he started reading about it and looking at it. And when he came in, he goes, you know what? I want to do Batman and Bruce Wayne in different voices because I feel like they should be separate characters. And he was the first one to approach it that way. And he did that perfectly. His Batman is very Batman, and his Bruce Wayne is very Bruce Wayne. So when I say he is the Batman, it's because he was the first one to separate the characters, and he did them both so well. I don't know who's going to live up to that standard live action. Released in October of 2019, so one of our early episodes with 70 downloads... And this was the episode that Jim edited the fuck out of. (laughs) (laughs) Which confused the hell out of me. Yes, Mike's like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) That is not where I said that. (laughs) Because I edited that to make it flow, or in my mind, flow from different topics so that it seemed like a, a smoother transition. It probably was also one of the choppier episodes because of how heavily edited it was but it did seem to flow and i guess it flowed well enough to land on number four on our top five list 
That one actually started off, that was our first dive into characters, yes. which honestly are, are my favorite episodes to do because I really like jumping into that. And I've, in our origin story, you said that one of your characters that you like the most is Spider-Man. And I've been pushing so hard to do a Spider-Man episode, but we just can't really figure out in what way to focus it. Yeah, the closest we've come is our Into the Spider-Verse episode. Yeah. But yeah, we haven't. It's a hard topic to get into. But it was also one of those episodes that you did, like, no prep for. It was like, yeah. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about Batman. I, I, or the maybe you didn't. Okay. The, the only prep that I did on that is I got a list of all of the movies, like animated and live-action movies, and who played Batman or voiced Batman. Right. And that was the only prep I did on that one. As with all the character dives that we've done... I just come talk about what I know. Rounding yeah. out the top five, in June of 2020, we released one of our several franchise episodes that are not Star Wars <laughs> or superheroes when we did the Indiana Jones franchise. What do you think about Indiana Jones in general to start with? He's one of the most iconic characters for me from my childhood. I mean, when this film franchise started, I was 10 years old because the Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 1981. I was already enamored with Harrison Ford for his role as Han Solo and at that point, the first two Star Wars movies. So I saw him and I was excited to see a movie franchise where he got to be the star. And I just loved the movies from the very beginning. Because it's the same character? Han Solo and Indiana Jones are very similar to each other. So yeah, there is not a, a lot of difference there, but I really like Harrison Ford. He's a great performer, maybe not necessarily a great actor, but he can work the screen, for lack of a better term. You said that perfectly. That's a previous episode. I talk about how I don't think that Harrison Ford is a great actor, and that's a, he is a great performer, though. He really is. He, he, he really holds your attention. He delivers lines well. He expresses well. He just only really has one set of things that he does well. He doesn't really, at least not that I've seen, doesn't really go outside of that. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of dramatic range as an actor, but he has personality and charisma, and he can definitely carry scenes. So having him be the star of this franchise was obviously pretty easy for him to do. It was earlier on in his career, and he mm -hmm. would obviously go on to do other roles. But when I think of Harrison Ford, I think of Han, Sol Han Solo and... Indiana Jones. And so, all right, Lando. <laughs> yeah, I, I, same here. And Indiana Jones, like you said, iconic character. And, and it really is a great, it's a brilliant character. Yes. And, and not just because the character himself is brilliant, but just the concept is, is great. Having an action star that's also incredibly smart, I think it, it sets up for children to have somebody to look up to and aspire to because it, it's like, oh, that, that would be fun. Maybe I want to be an archaeologist and start getting into cool stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. It is the most of the time you see an action star. It's for the physicality, the fighting, the more traditionally masculine elements of the character. You don't usually see the intelligence. Mm -hmm. But obviously, as a college professor, someone who speaks multiple languages and is very learned, Combining that with the adventurousness mm -hmm. makes the character even more interesting and more as a nerdy kid. I really like that book smart guy who is also a swashbuckling adventurer. Right, right, exactly. I'm pretty sure you just verbally punch Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone at the same time. <laughs> For me, Last Crusade's the best, followed by Raiders of the Lost Ark, followed by Crystal Skull, followed at the end by Temple of Doom. 
as far as quality of storytelling and movies go, I would swap Crystal Skull and Doom. But I will say Crystal Skull wasn't as bad as I'd initially thought upon further watching, but it was still the thing in all the movies are very the whole time just really? Really? That's what they're doing with that? You really gotta shut off your brain and not think about it. They're fun action movies. That was a lot of fun, ignoring the last movie. Yes, the argument over how many movies are there and the fact that it took Mike a while to realize that the last movie was about aliens, even though it was obvious that it was about aliens. (laughs) (laughs) But those are our top five. The thing that we've been trying to figure out is, what do our listeners want? And we look at this and go... What the fuck do you want? (laughs) Exactly. Well, we have a little bit of insight into what they don't want based on our bottom five least downloaded episodes. Which also have no consistency. (laughs) (laughs) So number one, which is our least downloaded episode... An episode that we both really liked. Yeah, I think it was one of our best episodes that we've done as far as content goes. I agree. And we're talking about the fandom effect. Same with number three on this. I really thought a lot of people would listen to that. I thought it was really good. Yeah, number three. We'll come back to number two in a second. Number three was Go Sports. Hey, this is Jim with an editor's note. In the 10 days since we recorded this episode, our download numbers changed. And now the Fandom Effect and Go Sports are no longer in the bottom five of our least downloaded episodes. Because they each rallied with over 20 downloads to get up into the mid-30s, just a little bit under our average of 40 downloads per episode. So excellent job, listeners! Now you don't have to listen to us whine for a minute about why no one listened to those two episodes. And in case you were wondering, the bottom five list of least downloaded episodes with recently updated numbers would now include the Birds of Prey movie and Justice League v. Snyder Cut, which we are actually going to be talking about that one in just a few minutes. We skipped over number two. Which hurts my soul. This is one of the episodes I feel somewhat guilty about because it was without question the least enthusiastic episode that I have ever participated in. Even though it was your idea to do it. Yes, because you you wouldn't fucking stop talking about it. Sky is blue and all the leaves are green. He's singing a quote-unquote song from (laughs) Cannibal the Musical, which is our number two least downloaded episode with a whopping total of 14 downloads. It was our Thanksgiving Day We Hate You present, apparently, released (laughs) in November of 2020. Turn back while you still can. You're doomed. You're all doomed. The sky is blue and all the leaves are green. The sun's as warm as a What happened to your sense of humor, and why do you hate comedy? I have a sense of humor. I don't hate comedy. 
I don't think you know what comedy is or what a good movie is. So we are talking about Cannibal the Musical, one of the best movies ever written. I understand why everybody hates it. If you really like Team America, you might like this movie. If you really like inside joke style, what would it be like if you were actually involved in this? Like you're watching something that your buddies made type stuff, you might like this movie. 99.997% of the population will hate this movie, which is why it had so much trouble being released. It took the absolute last resort <laughs> producers to actually put this movie out. Yeah, if they had never had their success, I mean, that's true for so many people, but if they had never had their success with South Park, then yeah, this movie never would have come out. So yeah, I mean, again, there's not much else for me to say about it. Not bad. I actually thought it was going to be worse, but yeah, boring. Not my kind of humor. Even the songs, I didn't think they were great, but they weren't terrible. Again, it was saved by the fact that the people singing them could actually sing. Right. In the lyrics of the songs, just like the rest of the movie, they're stupid because they're supposed to be stupid. If you build me a snowman, then I'll build one for you. So let's build a snowman. We can make him our best friend. We can name him Bob, or we can name him Beowulf. We can make him tall, or we can make him not so tall snowman. Well, that's just the thing, too, is like for someone like we've said on previous episodes, I mean, you don't really know the lyrics of most music you listen to because you don't listen to music for the lyrics. You listen to it for the music. Right. But for musicals, you actually do know the lyrics. Because you have to, because, because that's where the story is. Right. But the lyrics of this one are just dumb. <laughs> Am I fired again? Yep. <laughs> yep, you're fired. <laughs> when I say it's a happy go my golly, lucky don't relatively rarely known college project of trey parker and matt stone from south park fame i'm not surprised by the low number of downloads on this one just because of how few people have actually seen it and again most people aren't going to listen to a podcast on something they've never seen yes so i'm not surprised it just it hurts because i really liked it and most of that episode is Mike saying, come on, this is a funny movie. You should watch the movie. You have to understand why it's funny. And me going, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, we're actually going to come back to. I'm really surprised about this. Another relatively recent episode that came out in April of 2021, in terms of when we published the episode, not when it came out. One Division, the first of the new Disney Plus television shows, has only 16 downloads. And again, we're going to come back and talk about that a little bit more later. And at first we were like, oh, maybe it's a Disney Plus thing. Right. Nah, but we've covered other things that are on Disney Plus to have a lot more downloads. Yeah, like Soul. Which like, yeah, Soul. also had a high number of downloads. Yes. Surprisingly. Yeah, that's in like in the, up into the 50s. Yeah. yeah it, all, it almost made the top five. So please explain to us, why didn't you listen to WandaVision? Almost as confusing to us since we, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this is because we talk about the topic too much, but number five on our least downloaded episode is Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2. I give this a Millennium Falcon. <laughs> it, it's tried and true nostalgia. It's a bit clunky, but it gets the job done. My metaphorical rating is the unbalanced force. And this was a joke that I made on Twitter, too, that I found this season to be like, 
the forces in general uh, in all things Star Wars, that it's not quite balanced, by which I mean that this season was aimless storytelling that leaned heavily on empty nostalgia and fan service teases instead of trying to tell its own unique story. So it doesn't quite work, but it somehow does. It's just kind of like how the the whole idea of what does it mean to balance the Force has never been explained in Star Wars. I think we're seeing this now, too, is like, what does it mean to actually create new Star Wars content now? How do we balance the nostalgia and fan service and giving people what they already know with trying to give them something new? How do we balance the fandom of, are we writing for the casual fans? Are we writing for the geeky fans? Are we writing for people who don't know anything about Star Wars? Well, I think if anybody can tow that line, it's the combination of Filoni and Favreau. Yes, they are definitely the best stewards and, and caretakers of this. And I don't know how much they're going to be involved in the other shows. I have to assume that Filoni will be heavily involved in the Ahsoka series. Right. Because he created the character. And the Bad so Batch. Be, it, yeah. I'm not as excited about the Bad Batch, but at the very least, I hope he's helming the Ahsoka series. I don't know if they're both or either involved in the other ones, but I, I really hope that they are the Kevin Feige's of Star Wars. Right. That they are to Star Wars what Kevin Feige is to Marvel at Disney. Because as we've briefly talked about before, the Marvel movies would not be what they are, or the Marvel franchise would not be what it is without the guiding hand of Kevin Feige. Right, and they just got to find the right person to take that. And I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is that person. Uh, she is not, and maybe maybe Favreau and, and Filoni can't take it to the cinematic level, but let them be the Kevin Feige of the television universe of Star Wars. I have confidence. I mean, I might not like everything that they do, but it will be likable enough. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm going to consume it. Difficult to see, the future is. <laughs> As Star Wars conversations tend to go, we went on a bit of a tangent, got a little heated in a couple areas, but uh, that's Star Wars for you. May the Force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> which we put out uh, as our Christmas present, I guess, our, our We Hate You <laughs> Christmas present <laughs> in December of 2020. And it only got a total of 21 downloads so far. I have a theory. Okay. I have a theory. I think because you hated Baby Yoda so much on the season one episode that they were too upset to be able to listen to the second one. Okay. They couldn't hear <laughs> your Baby Yoda hate anymore. <laughs> I, I could buy that as a possible explanation. Even though I hated my baby Yoda too. <laughs> <laughs> Although that is another Disney Plus show. So yeah. So two of our least downloaded episodes do come from Disney Plus. Although we do understand that a certain portion of our listeners don't like Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> or, so, do, or don't want to watch this. Maybe it's a series thing. A series thing, possibly. They are not as much into the series as they are in the movies. So those are our top five, bottom five. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth, but we have come up with two lists of five things where we went through our list of, at the time of this recording, 49 episodes that we had released, and we decided to pick out episodes. Either we wanted to go back and revisit something that we had said, 
or we wanted to just call it out as an episode that we really enjoyed doing. So I'll go first. And these are listed in no particular order. So my first one is WandaVision. Like we had just said, I was kind of surprised that it didn't get more downloads. Of the, at the time of this recording, the three Disney Plus Marvel shows that have come out, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki, this is my favorite of those three. And I thought it was a really good episode. I thought we did a relatively good job. It's actually one of those episodes where we had to do twice. We actually recorded one episode where we tried to do like an episode by episode thing, and it kind of came out a little clunky. So we did a retake where we did more of a organize it in a slightly different fashion and that's what we ended up putting out as the our WandaVision episode and that had my favorite of my own metaphorical ratings on that one which has affected me long term because <laughs> I can see a bag of it on the kitchen table <laughs> if you well, know you know yeah <laughs> I mean I really enjoyed that episode because we talked a lot about what does it mean to be a villain because one of the things that came up a lot in WandaVision is who actually is the villain. The thing that I found funny is that all of the villains essentially were hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Director Hayward, he gradually morphs into a villain, but he's also the one who basically makes Wanda the villains. It's like, oh, Wanda's a terrorist. She needs to be taken off the board. She's torturing the people in Westview. We need to take her out. And he tries to kill her and her children. But he's also a stand-in for maybe part of the effects of the Sokovian Accords and the effects of the SNAP. There's a strong anti-superpower people sentiment in the MCU. And we see he very much doesn't like superpowered people. And he's not necessarily wrong either. It's like, we need something to stop the superpowered people by any means necessary. And again, it's one of those things where... Like with most villains, they don't see themselves as the villain. Yeah. Director Hayward thinks he's doing the right thing, that he's willing to do what is necessary to stop the threat. So the next most obvious villain is Agnes, who you probably don't really think of her as a villain until she's revealed as Agatha Harkness and then directly confronts Wanda and basically becomes a primary villain because she wants to steal Wanda's magic because that's her whole thing. She's trying to kill Wanda and take her power from her. Here's my thought. There's bad people, there's bad intentions, and or bad thoughts throughout the series, but really the series is just a story. What bothers me is why do we always think that stories have to have one big villain to go against our one big hero in order to be a good story? Why can't it all be gray? And I think that's what this series actually did wonderfully, is it made it all gray. For instance, yeah, Agatha is probably the big villain to most of us in this story. But again, she's trying to take power away from somebody that doesn't know how to control it. Yeah, she says she takes power from the undeserving. Right. And she seems very concerned at the end that Wanda fully becomes the Scarlet Witch saying you don't realize what you have unleashed. The thing is she wanted to stop her from becoming the Scarlet Witch because the Scarlet Witch is supposed to destroy the universe. And really she's she's only really the villain because she opposes the quote-unquote hero. Although as we're about to talk about, the quote-unquote hero is also kind of a villain. It plays into why I feel like Marvel is superior over DC 
generally speaking, is because the villains in Marvel are so much more interesting because they don't see themselves as villains. They don't see themselves as doing the wrong thing. They're human-ish personalities with complexity. And you don't get that as much in DC. Thanos wasn't wrong is a rabbit hole we don't want to go down. But again, like I said, the Marvel villains are not caricatures of bad guys doing bad things just because they're bad. Right. And Agatha definitely, she's still gray, but maybe the least gray of it. Again, even like I said with director Hayward, he just went too far, but he wasn't just be twirling his mustache as the evil director of S.W.O.R.D. He thought he was actually doing the right thing. Which feeds into, again, like you were already starting to go there, is the, the hero-villain line is probably most gray with Wanda herself. Wanda really struggles at various times with being able to be comfortable with that. But there's also an earlier part where Monica tells Wanda's like, don't let director Haywood make you the villain. And Wanda's like, maybe I already am. So she even herself is struggling with, am I the good guy or the bad guy? And then she's getting taunted by Agatha. It's like, heroes don't torture people. Right. But then Wanda's like, well, am I really torturing people? So, I mean, and again, it's not clear cut. You could look at it from either direction. What was your number one from your list, Mike? This has been bothering me since we put it out from the episode It's Not a Joker from the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. We hated the hell out of that movie. I had low expectations going in, and my low expectations were at war with the fact that so many people were warning me that my expectations will be thwarted or will be subverted by what I might expect. I largely found the movie to be boring. I kept waiting for things to get interesting or at least something that would make me feel strongly one way or the other, and it just never happened. I expected more out of this movie. I think this could have been a very, very good movie, but I just felt like they played with the art to the point that they lost the story. If you're a film student or a cinephile where you're in love with cinematography and camera angles and, oh, they did this with his body to demonstrate blah, blah, blah. If that's what you like about movies, you may love this movie. But if you go to a movie for a good story, you have those people that will tell you a story that they find interesting and the whole time you're just waiting for it to get interesting mm-hmm. and it never does and they get, they get done. You're like, was that it? Was I supposed to react to that? That's what this movie is. The thing was like through the movie, I kept waiting for it to get interesting because there's so many points in it that it could have been interesting. Yes. This, this movie could have been amazing if they would have focused on the story they were trying to tell. And they just kept losing focus on that story just to focus on, hey, we need to try to get some awards for this movie. That's how I saw it, at least. And I found it ridiculous, and it missed the point. It missed the mark. I agree. There were definitely points where I was like, okay, something's about to happen that's going to make me sit up a little bit in my chair and start to take interest. They're going to turn this into something interesting at some point. Nope. So, Yeah. yeah. It was very beguiling in in that respect. And parts of it, too, is because leading up to the movie, because it went to all these film festivals and there's so much hype around it, 
And there's all these warnings about all the disturbing imagery that's going on. I kept expecting it to develop more and to be more. And everybody's talking about how how disturbing it was and how you felt so uncomfortable the whole time. And I didn't at all. Oh, yeah. When we were walking into the movie theater, there was a sign on the door out front of the movie theater that was specific to this movie. And it said, this is not your typical comic book film and is only intended for mature audiences. Rated R for strong, bloody violence, disturbing behavior, language, and brief sexual images. None of that applies to this movie! Not really. There's there's three bloody scenes, but only two of them are really even remotely strong or disturbing. And even those are they're pretty light. You see a lot worse in John Wick and, and movies like that. You see a lot worse violence in television shows. Yeah, exactly. This was not a, a violent, disturbing movie. I'm sorry, but Walking Dead has had bloodier, gorier scenes oh, for sure. than anything that was in this movie. So I'm sorry, but I don't understand this whole, oh my God, this movie is very disturbing. The actual violent content of this movie, I'm sorry, but it's laughable. This movie did not need to be rated R. There was no strong language. There was no, the brief sexual images were pictures of naked women that flash on the screen briefly. There's been more nudity on television. This could be put on television without a, uh, without a, a TVMA rating. To me, it's almost like a marketing gimmick that they rated it R and they did it. Oh, be very careful about going to this movie. You'll find it disturbing. It's not disturbing. We hated on that movie, both of us. Yes. So bad. It, it seemed like... It was one of the worst movies that's ever been made in existence. Yes. And it is. (laughs) It was two full scoops of hate, but it was also something that I think we learned no matter what to not do again, because we went and saw that movie and then immediately went from the theater back here to your house and recorded the episode the same night. Yeah. And we have never done that since. So the reason I wanted to revisit this, at the very beginning of that episode, I made the comment of, if you like movies for the art, the metaphors and and things like that, it's a really good movie. But if you just want to be entertained, it's terrible. And from that point on, it was nothing but a flow of hatred. And I just wanted to revisit and, and reiterate, I understand why so many people loved that movie and why it's such a good movie to a lot of people. I just didn't enjoy it. I agree. Yeah, I mean, we really did rip it apart. I mean, I I play the role of the hater in almost every single episode, so it's not unusual to hear me hate on something. But yeah, it was almost like a tag team effort. And yeah, to this day, I would agree. Artistically, I could see some merit in it, but I also found it artistically derivative, as we talked about Mm -hmm. in that episode, in terms of the quote-unquote interesting ideas were just stolen from other movies. So I didn't really find that. So from an artistic perspective, I didn't really yeah. find that all that interesting. Now, that's why I didn't like it as a, definitely didn't like it as a quote unquote comic book movie. And I didn't even really like it, the artistic aspects of it because of its derivative nature, but it probably did not deserve as much hate as it got from the both of us. Yeah, it did. So, over to number two on my list, and this is kind of a cheat, because it's actually three episodes, but it was one recording. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. 
So I came up with a, as Mike, I think, alluded to it at the time, a 35 bullet point, nine page outline. (laughs) 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 It was like, how long is this episode going to be? So we ended up recording close to four hours worth of raw material that I ended up breaking down into three episodes. A trilogy of episodes on the third movie in the third Star Wars trilogy. I was actually pretty proud of all of the stuff that we've done Star Wars related. I thought it was very well organized. I thought it was fair and balanced, too, in terms mm-hmm. of we talked about the good and the bad stuff about the movie. And I thought we also had some really interesting ideas. One of the good things that we did, we defended it against its criticism of being a retcon because yeah. it was not a retcon of The Last Jedi. And we also came up with some, I thought, some creative ways that the movie's conclusion could have been better. The disappointment for me is the oversimplification at the end of the movie with Palpatine saying, I am all the Sith, and Rey with, I am all the Jedi. And for me, it was just an oversimplification of Sith are evil, Jedi are good, good has to beat evil, Jedi win. It was the safest way to go, especially since one of the things that we liked or some of us liked about The Last Jedi was at least it seemed to be opening up the notion of gray because they had talked about how neither the Jedi way nor the Sith way was right. Because like Luke had said in The Last Jedi, well, at the height of their power, the Jedi let Palpatine and the Empire rise. So how could just doing it that way be the right answer? We don't really need much convincing that the Sith way isn't the right. Plus, also, it comes back around to, even as they had Anakin say to inspire Rey, bring balance to the Force like I did. How is making it all Sith, all Jedi, Jedi beat the Sith balance? That's a good question. I don't like having to put those words in. I am all the Sith, I'm all the Jedi. Yeah, it's like the culmination of the entire saga. It's like, I represent all of the evil and all of the Sith. You represent all of the Jedi and all of the good. And we smash together and Jedi wins. Yeah, we want good to win. It's it's Star Wars and it's Disney. The good guy should win. I am shampoo and I clean the hair. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it seemed too oversimplified to me. In fairness... Bringing balance to the Force has never been cleanly answered in any of the Star Wars right, movies. Right. So it's not like the original trilogy or the prequels did it better. The whole idea of bringing balance to the Force was a problem that the prequels created, because they're the ones yeah. who said Anakin is the chosen one who will bring balance to the Force. But they never explain what the fuck that means. But also, but and Yoda even says misinterpreted that might have been. Right. And they, and they did play with it in both the Clone Wars uh, and Rebels animated series. So what exactly does that mean? Right. And again, it's an oversimplification of the whole Jedi, Sith, dark, light story and balance of the Force. Even the Jedi say, may the Force be with you. They don't say, may the Jedi be with you. I wanted this movie to have a better resolution to the Sith, Jedi, dark, light, gray, balance, force question. And the thing that kept running through my head was one of my favorite scenes from Rogue One and one of my favorite taglines from Rogue One. I am one with the force. The force is with me. So I would have wanted to have Rey say when the Emperor's like, I am all the Sith. She says, I am not Sith. I am not Jedi. I am not dark. I am not light. I am one with the force. And the forces with me. Okay. How it should have ended. Okay. All right. 
So, Force Lightning, I am all the Jedi. Wonder Woman, force it back at you. Behead. Oh no, I'm being possessed by the Emperor. Ben, kill me. Oh. And with his final last bit of energy, he kills her. They both die. Romeo and Juliet ending. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet ending. There's balance to the Force because there's no longer any more Sith or Jedi. Boom. That is a pretty clean ending. It's not perfect, but it's a lot cleaner than the one we got. Yeah, it, the and, Emperor goes in her, and then all of a sudden, like, his laugh is coming out of her. Right. You see a little <clears> bit of panic, and, like, in a last second, you just hear her go, kill me. And then a Skywalker does bring balance to the Force. Exactly. And dies doing it. Boom. I said that? You did. Huh. I'm what a, a little... genius. <laughs> you occasionally have good ideas. Huh. <laughs> you know, there was another episode. I think it was the Wolverine episode. When we were talking about how to bring Wolverine into the Spider-Man movie, I had started on an idea that was going in a good direction. We get done recording, and I finished the idea. I made a whole movie in my head. I remember talking it out, and it was fantastic. And then the episode came out, and I re-listened to it. I'm like, where's my great idea for the movie? Why is only part of it in it? And I completely forgot that we weren't recording anymore when I finished the complete movie. So let me know if you want to hear the rest of my movie, because it was great. Most of Mike's greatest points are after we turn the microphones off. Yeah. Once the microphone turns on, I'm like, words are things that I know sometimes. Plus the fact you also, sometimes we talk a little bit before the recording about some of the things we want mm -hmm. to talk about. And then we both actually forget that we didn't say that while the mic was on. Right. <laughs> that, that's why a lot of times people will come over or something or talk about it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk about it yet. Not till after we record because I don't want to think that I already said it. <laughs> So going back to our list, what was number two on your list, Mike? It is the most brilliant name <laughs> that I've ever come out up with. The Justice League versus the Snyder Cut, Dawn of Nerd Rage. Justice League B, Snyder Cut. Oh, yeah, V. Words, it's even written on the screen. Words, words are things that I know sometimes. <laughs> That's only a letter, V. <laughs> So why did you want to, I, I refer to this as the Jim Yells at Mike episode. Warning, a four-minute nerd rage battle is about to begin. In three, two, one. <gasps> In both versions of the movie, Justice League and Snyder Cut, as soon as Superman shows up, it's a joke. It's over. Yeah, that's how... All these stories are. It's one of the fundamental problems with Superman as a character, as, as you and Risa discussed in our Superman episode. Yeah. But the problem with that story is we just spent, at the time that this happens in the Snyder Cut, three hours of, oh my God, this is incredible threat. We're all going to die. There's nothing we can all do about it. Oh, Superman's here. It's over. It's not just over. It is laughably over ridiculously quick. So what the story of this movie is showing and these three movies is you don't need the Justice League. You just need the Superman. Because if you don't have the Superman because he is dead or evil, then it doesn't fucking matter how many heroes you put together. 
you lose. How is that a good story? It's not. And that's not the Justice League. I would argue... Sorry, I wanted to yell too. I would argue that this is perfectly exactly what Justice League is. For some reason, Superman's not there. They're trying to figure out a way of going about it. They realize in this one that the only way they're going to win is if Superman is with them. So they have to find a way to bring Superman back. But then even when they bring Superman back, they don't know if he's going to be there for the fight. So they got to go in and do everything they possibly can. And it isn't even Superman that saves them. It's Flash. Because in all reality, they fucking lose until Flash reverses time to save the day. Which is also fucking stupid. It is not. Fuck you, hater. He spends the entire fight running around in circles and circles and circles and circles. I gotta build up this charge. I gotta build up this charge. I gotta build up this charge. Gets shot in the leg. Loses all of that energy. And then when they lose and the explosion happens from a fucking standstill in a short sprint, he runs fast enough to fucking reverse time? That is not good storytelling. That is lazy fucking writing, and it's a shitty fucking story that we waited three and a half hours to see, and it was fucking anticlimactically fucking stupid. Shitty story, shitty movie. Again, classic storytelling from a, for superheroes. No, it's not. I have watched a lot of superhero stuff. This sucks. I've read the damn comics. Oh, oh, because I haven't read comics, so basically what you're telling me is I shouldn't read comics because comics fucking suck. No. I have seen a lot of animation stories, and they're fucking amazing. This sucks. So if you're trying to tell me this is what comic books are like, well, I'm glad I don't read comic books. What I'm trying to tell you is that that is regularly what happens in the comic books is something like that tends to happen. And... I really feel like you miss a lot of the small details there. He was running around in circles. He was trying to build up and get just the right amount of energy. I hate that. Oh, you, you missed the wrong details. Go ahead. He was running around in circles to get just the right amount of energy to, that's actually going to work. He knew if he went too fast, then he was going to fuck with time, which would break his number one rule because he's seen what that, that fucks things up. And he wasn't, wasn't going to be running for that long but it was taking Cyborg longer than it was than they initially thought. So he was trying to just maintain that until Cyborg was ready. He was trying to be ready when he was needed to build up the charge. Now, when he went back and yeah, he, he did quickly, very quickly build up the speed to reverse time. We don't really necessarily know how long it took him. Remember that entire scene went a while when he was talking to his dad and he was hearing things and stuff like that. He might have been running for a little while before he actually built up to that speed. Yes, because super speed is best shown in slow motion. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring it up. I want to bring up how angry and animated we both got on that. So... As you explained after we got done recording, you were so upset with the fan response yes. that you just let it flow into the episode, which made it sound like you were yelling at me, Yes, even though you were just releasing all of this built-up anger in the form of force lightning. 
And then I felt like I, I couldn't get you to calm down, which then amped me up. And then I finally got angry. And I got so angry, I actually broke my clipboard. Yes. I slammed it down on my table and broke it in multiple places. <laughs> which then ma- triggered you to go, oh, shit, I better calm down. <laughs> yes, I was forced lightning with my words. Lightning with my words. <sighs> Fucking hate you. <laughs> That was my Darth Shazam. Yes, that was a weird episode. Like you said, I was way over the top with my... I got so pissed off, like you said, by the Zack Snyder defenders were super dicks online. Yeah. About how awesome the movie was, and if you didn't appreciate it, this is like the only true way to do DC and the only true way to see these characters. And if you don't understand and appreciate his genius, then you're a moron. And that's what I was basically unloading on. But you were the only one in the room, so... (laughs) To be fair, you are kind of a moron. I am, Oh, wait, no, that's me. Yeah, see, and I'm not burdened with all that because I don't follow any of it. So I I have really taken a step back. Like, I'm almost non-existent in social media anymore just because I'm just tired of all that. Smart. So so I don't see any of that anymore. Yeah, I've definitely dialed it back a lot. It's it's difficult to to follow stuff. It's almost become like, Politics has definitely become this way in the United States, but now it just seems like any topic. You know what? This seems like a good place for you to plug your other podcast. That's right. I started a new podcast. What Harris Meant, an audio podcast produced and hosted by me, Jim Harris, where I get to share my perspectives on a variety of topics. Whatever is on my mind week to week, as well as to provide me a place to occasionally take on some difficult-to-discuss social and cultural topics such as politics and religion that are taboo in professional settings and can even be problematic elsewhere. I'm looking to start conversations, especially around difficult-to-discuss topics, because I believe if we can't talk about things that are difficult to discuss, then those things become even more difficult. Each episode briefly shares my definitely non-expert opinion on a single point about a specific topic. Answering the question, what did Harris mean by that? All episodes should be available wherever you listen to podcasts, but you can also visit my website, whatharrismeant.podbean.com. Reach out to me on Twitter at whatharrismeant, or email me at whatharrismeant.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And yes, Harris meant that. Let's move to a funnier topic. What's your number three? Number three, and this was kind of an unusual episode for us because neither one of us, as we've mentioned several times before on the podcast, neither one of us are big fans of the horror genre, but we are kind of fans of the horror subgenre of slasher. And the only movie we've actually done in the category is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's not a spoof, but it is kind of turning some of the genre on its head and yeah. making fun of who normally the bad guy would be and where the bad stuff would be coming from in most right. horror slasher movies is kind of a little bit of the recurring joke that they just keep doing over and over again throughout the movie. So would you say it co- takes the head completely off the slasher movies? <laughs> It may decapitate the slasher <laughs> movies. Yes. Yeah, I think this is kind of... Inevitably, this is where 
slasher movies had to go because they were basically dead at this point. No pun, oh, yeah. no pun intended that time. <laughs> Just because they got they got burnt out so quickly, and that's actually one thing. Like I really like the Friday Thirteenth movies because they weren't really trying to be funny, but they were funny. They got creative, and that's what really what I like about it. Where like the kills started getting really creative, and that's when I really liked the movies the most. But then like Nightmare on Elm Street movies, they're okay, but they tried to be funny, and it just missed for me. I would agree with that. So that that's kind of where I'm at on those coming into this movie. What did you think of this movie, generally speaking? Well, going into the movie, I had incredibly low expectations, because again, I usually don't watch much stuff in the genre. I was drawn to it more so by the actors who are in it. Mm-hmm. Alan Tudyk and Tyler Labine are two excellent character actors who I've liked in a lot of other things. They're probably people that a lot of people wouldn't recognize their names. But when you see them on the screen, oh, it's that guy. Yep. Oh, it is also that guy. Both of that guys are in this movie. <laughs> so it's yep. like, oh, I like those guys. They're usually pretty good. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. But I really was expecting to go, meh. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't expecting much. I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was hilarious. I really expected it to be more on like the Evil Dead route. Yes. I, I really thought that when I when you're know, looking at the title. And then watching it, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the casting's great. Oh, yeah, like a different cast, I think this movie would be terrible. Yeah. To its credit, this movie is incredibly simplistic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a very complex plot. And again, they pretty much just beat the drum over and over again for the same joke. Right. It's like they just keep mining the same joke over and over and over again. But it doesn't get old. But it doesn't get old. Yeah, it stays... They do it just enough that it stays funny. Yes. Yeah. And again, the, the, the dynamic between the two male leads, the, the yeah. Tucker and Dale, is what carries the movie. Two, right. two other actors, I don't think this movie would work. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, they're good character actors. And that's you don't see the actor in, in really any of the characters that are in this movie. You don't really see the actor. Right. You see the portrayal. Sometimes I see meta layers in movies that aren't there. But I think this movie does have some meta layers. I mean, because they're poking fun at hillbillies being the bad guys and the smart people, the college kids, being the good guys. And that gets reversed. Plus the whole idea that the main girl would be like the hottie who's like uptight and like a snob to everybody. And she's like the opposite. And she's not the dumb blonde. She's actually incredibly smart. So there's a lot of like role, like stereotype And the college kids are dumb. And the college kids are dumb. So yeah, there's a lot of stereotype reversals. You have some uneducated people who are definitely a lot, act at least in this movie, a heck of a lot smarter than the supposedly educated people. Right. Was also a part of a two-episode experiment of a different (laughs) way to create episodes what we did a pause and record is what we called it. So we as we were watching, we did like a little intro. Then we started watching the movie. And then when we saw something in the movie that we wanted to say something about, we paused the movie, turned the mics on, and talked. Yeah. And we did this twice. We did this first with Spaceballs, where we had our friend Reese join us. And that was substantially sillier. <laughs> Partially maybe because of the movie. But then we did Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which I thought turned out pretty well, but after we were done, Mike was like, never again. Yeah. 
and it's funny because it follows the format that I keep trying to push of explain the sl- the scene and then talk about the scene. Yes. But it just, to me, it felt so choppy and almost like we couldn't finish a thought. <laughs> and then when you get to the end of it and I go back and listen to it again, I'm like, oh, man, it just it just doesn't feel like it flows to me. And so that that's the only reason I say never again on that. I would rather make the notes where the cuts are and then talk about the whole thing in that manner. But I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, maybe some modified version of where we just do an initial recording of some stuff like that and then come back and... Use that as an outline to, to go back through? Yeah. That's possible. That's possible. Although, of course, that would be a little bit more challenging from an editing perspective, but maybe. I mean, I, I thought both of them turned out well. Spaceballs was definitely more fun to do than it was to listen to. I can see a lot of people being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> but Tucker and Dale versus Evil, I thought was more coherent. It was only two of us, so it wasn't a third person, I think, may have thrown an extra curveball in there. And maybe we learned from what worked and didn't work on Spaceballs. So I thought Tucker and Dale actually came out better. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. That was definitely fun. And we brought up some interesting points along the way. But what was your number three, Mike? Giant Space Squid! Can I just do a a little mini rant on the Kessel Run? Do we have time? Sure, we have like, what, two hours? I can do a two-hour rant. I could, actually, sadly, I could do a two-hour rant on the Kessel Run. (laughs) In the original Star Wars movie, In A New Hope, when Luke Skywalker and and Ben Kenobi are trying to find a ship to get them off of Tatooine, Han Solo claims that the Millennium Falcon is the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. It completed the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. And for the longest time, people made fun of that because parsec is a unit of distance, not a unit of time. So it was essentially like Han saying, I'm a really fast runner. I ran a marathon in 13 miles. Well, if you ran a marathon in 13 miles, you didn't run a marathon because that's half of a marathon. Plus, telling us that you ran it in 13 miles doesn't tell us you're fast because you didn't tell us how long it took you to run 13 miles. So Star Wars has long been made fun of for getting that one piece of science in your science fiction wrong. So they came up with a way to explain, well, it is actually the half marathon problem. The Kessel Run would be 20 parsecs long because there's only one safe navigable space through essentially what is this giant nebula. There was a way to take a shortcut through the Kessel Run, but it is essentially suicide. It's all filled with asteroids and planetoids and uh, ionized gas and stuff, and lots of ships have tried, but they got destroyed. The 12 parsec thing was taking the shortcut through and the things that they needed to do to actually make that happen. But the way that they did it, they made it worse in some respects. They solved the parsec problem, but they made it worse. By injecting some of the unrefined coaxium into the fusion reactor, which allows them to escape in 12 parsecs rounded down. So basically, let's just drop some nitro in the gas tank. The whole idea of being able to make the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs was they needed to be able to navigate that path, but also that the Millennium Falcon had to be fast enough, that it had to be the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. Well, it's not, because they used a one-time-only 
can never be repeated trick to boost the speed of the Millennium Falcon by dropping the raw coaxium into the fusion reactor so it would fly faster than it has ever flown and will never fly that fast again. So the Millennium Falcon is actually not the fastest hunk of chunk of the galaxy. They cheated by essentially dropping nitro in the gas tank. So again, they fixed the Parsec problem, but they did it in a dumb way. But I will address that, because I think they established it being the fastest ship through navigation, not through necessarily speed. And they do that when they integrate L3's navigation computers into the Millennium Falcon. What I'm saying is when you're talking smuggler, speed is getting from point A to point B the fastest, right? Okay. So if you can do that through navigation, you're still the fastest ship. Because if you can make it from point A no, to point B... No, you're the smartest navigator. That doesn't mean you're the fastest ship. Did you make it from point A to point B the fastest? You're the fastest ship. So that's my argument on that. And that's why I'm okay with that. Solo, a Star Wars story, which was the first episode we ever recorded. Yes. And the reason is because of giant space squid. Yes. Repeatedly, over and over in my life, and I, for zero reason whatsoever, something about space comes up, and I just yell, giant space squid. And it's just that line. But then on the other side of it, I'm not even really sure how it got on my phone. But somehow that episode downloaded on my phone, and whenever I'm playing things on random, it pop, about once a month it pops up and starts playing, and I fucking listen to it. <laughs> and like you said... That was our very first attempt, and kind of weird, what we just said about Tucker and Dale, that was a really regimented scene-by-scene dissection of Solo. I mean, literally, okay, in this scene, this is what's happening, and now let's talk about it. And we went through the entire movie that way, and I fucking hated it. (laughs) Yeah, that that didn't go well for that purpose. We almost (laughs) actually stopped this entire podcast... Because he hated that format so much. It was so fucking painful for me to try to do it that way. We did, it did come out, we made some good points. The giant space squid came from my Kessel Run rant, mm-hmm. which was funny. So we did, it, it turned out okay, but for me it was just, it was painful to do. It reminds me kind of, there are a bit of few episodes that didn't make it to air, so to speak. The other one was Endgame. And we did yeah. Endgame the same way. We tried to go through Endgame scene by scene. And that, unfortunately, I, it wasn't bad, but we ended up not releasing it. We ended up deleting it. Yes. <laughs> I think it's on a thumb drive somewhere. It might be. But it was mostly because we were like, here's a scene. I have, for me, I was like, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think was just because you were so upset about doing the scene by scene. that You're like, like, I don't even want to fucking talk about it. No. (laughs) (laughs) So it was almost a Mike Solo episode because I I actually did interject occasionally. But yeah, it was one of the other ones along with Solo that taught us we can't do it this way. Which ended up also being uh, I was going to do a solo episode on it. I just couldn't figure out a way to do it and make it entertaining. Right. There's just way too much to talk about to listen to one person talking about it for that long in strictly audio format to be entertaining. But let's take this to a better place. Yes. Let's go to the good place. We're talking about the good place. 
Holy motherforking shirtballs. The show quickly cemented itself as a legacy in my mind as one of the best shows in history. Wow. I absolutely love everything about this show. It's got a, just a great mixture of comedy and thought-provoking material. That The way they mix them is just nothing short of genius in my head. I said wow, but I completely agree that it is one of the best shows of all time. There's not a single episode that I don't like, and there's not a single point where I'm saying, okay, I get it, can you move on now? None of that ever happens. Which, if Jim never thinks that, this show deserves all of the awards. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> I also did greatly appreciate that it was philosophical, not religious. And its underlying questions really are, what does it mean to be a good person? Why should you be a good person? And if you're not a good person, can you become a better person? Two of the things I enjoy most in this world are comedy and deep thinking. And that's the brilliance of this show, is the way that those two work together. So I can watch this over and over again and still be entertained. But also, there is so much deeper in this show that it's so easy to just go off and just start thinking about what does this mean? What does this mean philosophically? What does this mean to me personally? And how can I bring this into my own life to make myself a better person? I like shows that make me laugh, and I like shows that make me think. But I love shows that make me do both. One of the things I loved about the show is I used to read a lot of philosophy. I am very grateful to this show for reminding me and for making me laugh at the same time. I think this show, if I were to bring it all down to one thing, even if you think you're a good person, you're probably not. And you should probably try to figure out what that thing that makes you not a good person is and maybe try to work on that. It goes back to a point that Michael made at one point during the show. What matters isn't if people are good or bad. What matters is trying to be better today than you were yesterday. My own personal morality, I focus on myself and try to make myself happy. And if I can bring other people up with me, I will. If I can sacrifice a little bit of time or effort to help other people, I will. Show ends on that point of giving you a fictional idea about what the afterlife is like. But it's also a show about, hey, don't be a dick. Try to be a good person. Everyone should at least try. So in essence, the whole show is about it's okay to be a hater. Just, Just don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. To paraphrase the show's final words, with all the love in my heart and all the wisdom in the universe, watch The Good Place and take it sleazy. This is our only attempt to do an entire television series in one episode. We don't do a lot of TV shows right. in general because there's a lot of episodes to watch and rewatch. And again, as we've talked about before in the podcast, I watch more TV, you watch more movies, and it's just too difficult to try to say, oh, rewatch like nine seasons of something. Yeah. The Good Place was four seasons, so it wasn't like an inconsequential number of episodes, but we both loved the show. And it was a show so good, I was perfectly fine with rewatching it. Yes. And it turned out to be possibly my all-time favorite television show. It's up there for me. For its mix of comedy and, and deep thinking. Yeah. 
I haven't watched any of it since we did that that episode and mm-hmm. behind the curtain here before we started recording this you played the intro like the first thoughts that we we had said to it about it and i'm listening i'm like huh i'm sold i'll, listen, I'll watch that again <laughs> it's a really good show and it was also at that time when it came out it was our longest episode ever because it was over two hours long but i mean we were talking about all four seasons all at once and right. we went it was also one of the first episodes too where we i want to call it drifting because it was on point for the show we talked about the philosophy that the show inspired right and started to get into sort of like some a little bit of real life scenarios and stuff about what it means to be a good person and trying to lead a good life type of stuff so we waxed a little philosophical yeah you actually got me to be serious for a little while yeah and, and realistically that's actually probably the most complimented that we've been I, we got a lot of feedback a lot of compliments about that episode so, you're number four. In case you couldn't understand, one of my favorite bands, Amana Marth, we're talking about Thor Odinson, protector of mankind. Jim, we are talking about the Marvel Comics character, the Mighty Thor. I'll admit, my knowledge of the character Thor comes entirely from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I know Thor comes from the comic books. I also am vaguely familiar with Norse mythology, but in terms of actual superhero stuff, my knowledge is almost entirely comprised of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So for me, I know that you had mentioned in the past, Mike, that Thor is one of your favorite characters, and that goes back to the comics. You're not talking about the movies, correct? Correct. I mean, he is one of my favorites in the movies as well, but the movie's character Thor is very different than the comics character Thor. I just picked up, I just really connected with, I really liked the character of Thor in the comic books. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I haven't read a lot of the comics, but I've read enough that he's definitely one of my favorites. So what is it specifically about the the comic version of Thor that made him one of your favorites? When I was a kid, it, it was just the power level. I mean, Thor is just... I mean, he's a god, and he's one of those characters um, similar, kind of like Hulk, where bad guys will be fighting a group of, of heroes, and then Thor shows up, and the bad guys are like, okay, we give up. Yeah, Thor's here now. There's no way we're going to win. And that's just kind of how it goes. It's just that extreme power level. But then he also kind of brings in a very, very stern way to the world. Uh, everything depends on me and my actions attitude. I don't know why I felt that as a kid, but I just really connected with that, the idea of just taking responsibility for everything. And, like, he's even a character that if he can't save everybody, he just breaks down. I mean, because he feels the need. He feels like he, sh- he has the power and he should be able to protect everybody. And he feels that because he knows he is the future king of Asgard. So in the movies, they kind of turn him into a jokey character. That works great in the movies, but in the books, the only thing that was ever funny about him in the books was just his, I don't understand Earth culture. So like every once in a while something would happen and, you know, he might say something or somebody might say something to him that he just doesn't understand and it becomes funny, but it's, he's, not, he's not a funny person. He doesn't say things that are funny. Thor is one of your favorite characters from the comics, and you really do like the Thor character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but 
you need to keep them separate in your mind, you said, because if you think too much about it, you start to not like the cinematic four. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly it. So the reason I wanted to bring this one up was actually when it, after you got done editing and you gave it to me, I'm like, I don't like it. Yeah, I was like, so I was like, I thought it was like, oh, this turned out really well. Mike's gonna like this. You're like, I don't like it. This one I had, I did the absolute least prep of any of our shows that we've ever done because I literally did zero prep. <laughs> <laughs> I had an idea. I'm, I'm thinking we're gonna come in, we're gonna really dive and just talk about the care. What makes Thor Thor? We're really going to talk about that. And then you came in and started like interviewing me about the Wikipedia of Thor. And like, and I was like, we talk so much about the movies. And I'm like, fuck the movies. I want to talk about the character. And so to me, it was like, that was not anywhere near what I wanted that episode to be. You were happy with it. Other people were pretty happy with it. I'm okay with it now. Just initially, I'm like, no, no, that's not my Thor. Well, it was two mistakes that I made. My only prep was I had not, I had seen them all, but it had been a long time since I watched any of the Thor standalone movies. Mm -hmm. So I decided to watch those the week before we recorded. And then to what you alluded to before, literally I was looking stuff up on Wikipedia and going, what about the chariot? What about the belt of strength? I was just asking you all sorts of like dumbass shit. <laughs> and then I was enjoying the look on your face when I was answering that dumbass shit. And you're like, how the fuck do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to like try to stump Mike on Thor. And you answered all of my questions. But then I was like, it's probably not what you wanted to talk about. Right. But it was like, I, I thought it was interesting because I learned a lot more about the character. Yeah. And it was, it was combined a lack of prep on both of our parts. And the fact that I kept taking us back to the movies, because that was really like, as often happens with the MCU, the movies is all I, for the most part, is all I know. Yeah. So I, I kept falling back to, well, in the movie, it was like this. How is it different in the comic books? Which, again, part of the upset, too, was like, I was just telling you the, all, explaining to you the basic level shit of Thor. We didn't even really dive into what makes Thor Thor. But then that taught me, so the, the characters we've done since then... I've learned, okay, I got to get a little bit more prep. I've got to get a little bit more of an outline, a little more of an idea of where it's going to flow and where it's going to go before we get started. And I think we've learned that our character episodes work a bit better than individual like shows or movies. Mm -hmm. Like instead of trying to talk about any of the individual Thor movies or animated series or comic books or something, talking about the character itself seemed to be a better way to discuss it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freak out my cousin again. I've mentioned her once before in another episode. She listens fairly regularly, and it freaks her out when I talk about her, even though I don't even give her name. Yes, it was the He-Man thing. <laughs> he's, he's pulling the sword going, I have the power! I think he just wanted me to say that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she has said that she really likes our character dives because her son is really into comic book characters. And she doesn't know them that well. So it helps her understand where he's going and what he likes and allows her to be able to talk about something that he loves through what we say. So that's, for me, not only do I enjoy being entertaining, but also educating. So I actually really want to do more character dives. Right. So we've done Batman. We've done Thor. We've done Wolverine. I led us on an unusual one, Damian Wayne, mm -hmm. which, I, which I enjoyed. But yeah, a lot of the other characters, I think. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of characters out there. Oh, yeah. Like I said, Spider-Man. We need to do one on Spider-Man. 
We do. I mean, I thought we did a... I mean, I liked our Spider-Verse episode, but yeah, the character of Spider-Man yeah. would be something we should come back to. But yeah, char- and again, not just comic book characters. I mean, we just rattled off a bunch of comic book characters. There are a lot of interesting characters in other yeah. well, like I said, franchises. There's been another conversation that we've been having for a while that I've been pushing. Who is the better Star Wars character? Because you're a huge Luke Skywalker fan. I'm a huge Darth Vader fan. And we've been arguing, you know, I, I would like to argue which one is the better character. I don't and really think it's much of an argument, though, because Darth Vader wins. Of course. Yeah, so that's why it's like, it, it, is, a, <laughs> it is an interesting... But, but it would be a fun dive on why those characters are popular. Yeah, and it, it goes back to my disappointment about the, the sequel trilogy. I mean, a lot of the having canonized that version of Luke Skywalker right. and losing all of the many, many stories I know about Luke that are non-canon from the Star Wars Legends novels and other stuff like that that I would love to be able to draw upon, but I can't because they're not canon anymore. Well, in the argument, though, that's what I wanted to, you to draw from. Oh, and we could do that. Oh, yeah, oh, this, I guess I, I didn't think about it from that perspective. I could do that. You know, the, the Luke that not only my own ideas of what would have been interesting, but there are some pretty interesting stories about Luke right. in the Star Wars Legends novels. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that more a little bit. For now, let's go back. Back, back? to where? The future? <laughs> <laughs> so this is another one of our, we got on sort of a franchise kick that summer. We said, what are other franchises since we talk about Star Wars and superheroes all, uh, all the time? And we came to Back to the Future, the beloved trilogy that has probably stood up perhaps better than anything else from the 1980s that I can think of. So it stood through time. It stood through time. <laughs> so we did the Back to the Future franchise, which is three movies. And I was a little bit surprised that it didn't get more downloads. I mean, it got, yeah. I think, 30-ish, but still on the low end. Compared to, like, when we did Indiana Jones, it got into the 60s, so I thought that Back to the Future would be more popular. Or maybe it's because too many people have done episodes on Back to the Future, or again, going back to our always things, stop trying to figure out why it's this is. Who knows? But right. I really enjoyed going back and rewatching those movies for, like, the hundredth time or whatever right. to do a podcast episode about them. And I really enjoyed some of the, <laughs> some of the timey-wimey tangents that we got onto. The thing I want to talk about relating to time travel and this whole alternate timeline thing is the alternate versions of Marty that essentially get killed. So think about this for a second. The Marty from the first movie has a mediocre life. When he travels back to 1955 and does the thing with Doc and gets sent back to 1985, his life has, not with his intention of doing this, his life has gotten better. Mm -hmm. He has the fancy truck His family is much more successful, both his dad and his mother and his sister. When he gets back, he's confused. The Marty who lived the great life in that family that was much more successful and much happier, he didn't have any of those experiences. He doesn't remember them because he didn't live them. So the Marty who was actually born in that altered timeline and had a much happier and more successful childhood, is not the Marty who returns to the timeline in 1985. I've thought about that too. So realistically, the Marty that did do the time traveling still should have disappeared because that Marty didn't really exist. Well, there's a dark theory on the internet, which I kind of find funny, that Doc Brown would have seen this coming. Like in 1955, when he sends Marty back to the future, He would have seen how much, not that he knew George McFly well before, he would have seen how much more successful the McFlys became. And then he might have, 
he murdered that Marty. He does. He's like, he, there's going to be a problem when Marty returns, air quotes, in 1985, there's going to be another Marty in the timeline because it's been established that multiple Martys and multiple Docs can exist at the same point in time because they were there back when they had to redo 1955. So Doc, knowing he's not going to see, quote unquote, his Marty again until 1985, befriends the happy, successful Marty and murders him before October of 1985 so that when his Marty returns, he can take over his life. Welcome to this episode of Nerd Talk. (laughs) So, uh, I see that, but he still went off in the past at the same point. Well, remember, he watched himself take off. He did, but that's also where Doc Brown probably would have had, in a more benevolent way, you can think, Doc Brown would have had to make sure that he befriended Marty because he needs Marty to basically not create a paradox by not going back in time for all of that stuff to happen. Well, the befriending him and then making sure that he takes off, Mm -hmm. that I I would agree with. Mm -hmm. But the killing him thing, no. Again, time travel conversations break your, your brain. That Marty, the new happier Marty being sent back in time, would be confused because it's like, my parents are super duper happy and awesome people. And it's like, he's not going back. So that Marty is no longer going back saying, what's going on? So he's not the same person who led the same life. So that's why I'm thinking, (laughs) again, time travel is brain hurting when you think too much about it. Yeah. That doesn't mean the same type of thing couldn't have happened though. It just might not have happened exactly that way. True. Which then just kind of creates a weird loop. Yes. Jeremy Baramy. Yeah, there's a, there is a thing in time travel where like there there are like sometimes infinite loops get created. Like one of the examples is that if your grandfather gave you a watch when you were a kid and later in your future life you invent time travel and you travel back in time to meet your grandfather and you give him a watch as a gift and then later he gives you the watch. You basically have created an infinite loop. That if you don't time travel back to give your grandfather the watch, your grandfather can't give you the watch. But then you have to keep time traveling back to give your grandfather the watch so he can keep giving you the watch. So it just keeps looping and looping. Again, time travel hurts the brain when you think about it too much. (laughs) The other Marty that kind of also gets killed, but we probably don't care, what I call the Biffed 1985, Mm -hmm. when Rich Biff has taken over the world. The one that's in Switzerland? Yes, the one he's like, why are you not in Switzerland in like your eighth boarding school or whatever? Right. That Marty is presumably a dick anyway, so we don't care. But so he's. But we never meet him. We so never it's meet fine. him, so we don't care. <laughs> but also that Lorraine's dead. That Biff's well, that's, dead. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, that, that entire l- timeline is just erased. When they go back and fix. Right. Get, getting the almanac away so it's from not, him. They're not really killed. They're erased. They're erased. But the first Marty, though, is more questionable. Nope, because you watch him go back. It's still not the same Marty, but that's okay. You're right. Okay, I, 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 I can buy that. Like I said, it's a dark theory that, yeah. that the doc would have had to do something to. Because if that alternate Marty doesn't go back and still do the things that happened, then that timeline gets changed again, and they're right back to having the shitty life. Not to mention the fact that (laughs) in order to have the Marty, the second Marty that goes back to stop Biff from getting the sports almanac, 
that Marty only exists if Biff originally goes to the future, gets the almanac, and goes on the past to give himself the almanac. Right. So that Marty can't exist unless Biff changed the timeline. But then they have to change how Biff changed the timeline. And so it's an infinite loop of timeline changes. It's an infinite loop of timeline changes of things that have to continue to happen. So the universe is going <laughs> to explode. <laughs> Maybe Doc actually had to kill off one of the variant Martys <laughs> in order to make the timeline not get all fucked up. Prune. Prune. He pruned exactly. a Marty. And the reason that I bring, we're bringing up those is obviously we were making allusions to the Loki television series. But as was even joked about in Endgame, when they were trying to explain to Don Cheadle's character what their plan for undoing what Thanos did, he was like, oh, you mean like Back to the Future? Because as we joked even in that episode, anytime time travel comes up, everyone just compares it to Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, again, like you said, I'm surprised that that episode wasn't more popular because it seems like everybody loves Back to the Future. Yes. And usually when I think about it, I think I'm just casual fan of Back to the Future. But then whenever something comes up, like trivia-wise on Back to the Future, I'm like, oh, I got that, I got that, I got that, I got that. And, like, people that are supposed to be experts don't know it. I'm like, huh, maybe I'm a little more of a Back to the Future fan than I thought I was. Hmm. That's an interesting concept. It is an interesting concept, as is the number five kind of cheat on your list. Yeah, I like to cheat. (laughs) So, as we started this, we were talking about individual movies, individual shows, individual characters, etc., etc. But then you were doing your solo episodes on concepts. Yes. And sometimes you were hitting those concepts, and I'm like, I would have had some things to say about that. One in particular, but we're not going to get into that. (laughs) And so you had a bunch, you had a, you have a list, like a big list of concepts that you want to talk about. And I started looking, I'm like, you know what? We should, we should do more discussion on that because I've got some things to say on that. So we started doing more conceptual discussions on uh, things like, the Phantom Effect we talked about before, movies versus TV, critics versus audience, spoiler and rewatchability, things that are broad that we kind of just dive into the weeds a little bit about. And I think those are actually turning out to be our best episodes content-wise, I feel like. In my mind, I think that's kind of where we should keep going. Keep diving into those with still some movies and stuff sprinkled in there. I don't know. What do you think, Jim? I agree. I mean, they haven't had great success in terms of download numbers, but content-wise, I agree. They, they produced some content that I think is, I don't know if it's better, but it was enjoyable to do. And I, I thought we gives us an opportunity to touch on a lot, because sometimes we struggle with, oh, this is not enough about that particular movie to have an entire episode about it, or not enough about that show to do an entire episode about it. But some concepts from it can be discussed at a higher level, and they've come up in the discussion episode. So, yeah, I think it's a a fun way to approach it. Maybe the download numbers are a little off because people are expecting the episodes to be about a thing, like about a movie or about a TV show. But I enjoy And we have gotten some positive feedback from people Mm -hmm. on some of the episodes, like the fandom effect. We're still surprised, didn't get more numbers, but the little feedback that we got was incredibly positive. Right. So I think it's a good idea to continue to do more conceptual episodes. Obviously, we won't switch to entirely conceptual right. episodes. but Well, and on the other side of things, that was, that was part of your problem with going scene by scene is you wanted to talk about overarching concepts. Yes. And you can't do that really going scene by scene. Mm-hmm. And so the, another thought was if we can cover that stuff in a different episode, 
then it would allow us to shorten up some of the longer episodes that would would be done by focusing on the movie itself because the concepts already been talked about or will be talked about later. Yeah, that's a good point because that, that does have a tendency. I do drift more to concepts because a lot of times when we go through scenes, there's only a couple of parts of the movie or show that I actually want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So from here, where do we go? From here, we're hoping to, who knows how many more episodes. I don't know if we'll have another 50 or 100 or 150. I don't know. As long as we enjoy doing it. As long as we enjoy doing it, we're going to keep doing it. So we know some insight into what will probably be coming up in the near future of the podcast. And one of them is actually interesting. (laughs) (laughs) One of them. Only one of them. (laughs) Yes, only one of the next five things I'm going to talk about is interesting. So don't listen to the other four. This first one is interesting to me because we have tried twice to do this. (laughs) And we're still not really happy with it. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, so the first attempt, Jim didn't really want to be part of it. I was like, fuck it. So you're like, okay, fine. I'll get Brandon. Yeah, I I brought in special guest Brandon, who's been on a previous episode. We recorded it. Didn't turn out the best. Decided, you know what? Let's try again. Let's get a little more organized. Let's go through it a little bit better. I think there was something wrong with the recording itself, too. I think there was a recording quality issue. There was a slight, uh, there was an audio quality issue, <laughs> and then me going, I don't want to do it. And then, to your credit, you would ask me, it's like, well, can you give me something? And I gave you some feedback, and I was like, that's not how I wanted to say it. <laughs> so yeah, I, so I, was, I was kind of quoting Jim and, and talking for Jim to bring up his points, because they're, of course, contrary to mine and Brandon's yes. points. And then he, you're like, that's, that's, not, that's not right. That's not exactly what I wanted to say. Yeah, so like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell it myself, damn it. Exactly. It's like, you literally said what I said, but that's not what I meant. Why couldn't you figure out that what I meant was not literally what I said? <laughs> so not only was there audio quality issues, there was that. So then me being the idiot that I am, it's like, okay, I'll come to the second recording. I'll just say a couple of things and then I'll shut up. And let you and Brandon talk. So and three quarters of that episode is Jim talking. I thought that was like, who did fucking most of the talking? Jim. <laughs> about a thing I didn't even want to talk about. <laughs> and then again, so uh, again, peek behind the curtain. The soundboard that we use got a little bit messed up. And so we can't separate the tracks anymore like we were for editing purposes. So I bought a new sound- soundboard. And it should have been great. But it ended up not working. And in recording that one, that was our first attempt using it. It kept cutting out. And yeah, there were like a couple recording. of times we would look over. It's like, um, it stopped recording. <laughs> so we had to go back, figure out where we're at, start over again. And then the very end of it, like the last five minutes, the audio goes all kinds of wonky. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to edit it and make it okay. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. So you might just have to listen to crap for five minutes. Possibly. Because we know one thing's for sure. We're not fucking doing it a third time. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually thought both recordings were pretty good content-wise. Yeah, content-wise. I mean, if we had gone with the first recording, I probably, as an editor, would have just probably deleted most of you talking about what I had to say. Because I think it would have been fine if it was just you and Brandon and what you guys said. That would have been fine. And in the second, our second take, I also think it, you had said it, it was maybe a bit more entertaining 
because it was the the banter between the three of us. Yeah. But I But the content's of... not the content was probably a little bit better in the first one. It was more concise. Yes. And more complete thoughts. Yeah, I I again I hijacked the conversation a little bit too much yeah. in the second recording. And so in order to uh I don't know, hurt me, I guess. <laughs> You decided on the next episode we're going to do. Well, this is my revenge on two levels. Our next episode, which we have actually consistently kept rescheduling. (laughs) But there are two things. One is I wanted to plot my revenge against Mike for making me watch Cannibal the Musical and doing a podcast episode about it. The sky is blue and all the leaves are green. My heart's as full as a baked potato. If you watch the movie, you'll know exactly what I mean when I say that it is fucking stupid. Thank you for making me sound okay. (laughs) We should do an entire episode where we're just singing. TV shows do that all the time. They do like the, they drink like a weird concoction and now everyone's only talking in song. That can be our final episode because nobody will ever listen again after it. The Ragnarok of Fanboy and the Hater. (laughs) The Ragnarok Fanboy and the Hater musical! So, that was one thing I wanted to get revenge on. The second thing that Mike keeps saying, Well, why won't we talk about Star Trek? You say you like Star Trek. Star Trek is stupid. So... All true. (laughs) Including tone of voice. That's like deadpan. That's a solid Mike impersonation right there. That was great. (laughs) You probably couldn't even tell that that was not Mike speaking. So, I'm going to make Mike watch Star Trek. Now, we've previously established Mike cannot watch a lot of TV shows, and having Mike watch television series for Star Trek would be unfair because there's so many shows, so many seasons, so many episodes. Yeah, I I don't have a lot of time to dive into it, and because of my memory issues, by the time I get to an end of a series, I've completely forgotten the beginning of the series. Right. So there's no way I'm going to be able to watch it enough to remember what I'm talking about. Correct. And in fairness, Mike, it's not like you've never seen Star Trek before. You have. I've seen a couple episodes and I've seen the newer, was J.J. Abrams? The J.J. Abrams, star, the non-Star Trek, Star Trek movies made for non-Star Trek fans. Which I liked. Which you like, which it's not surprising that you like those because a lot of people do. So I decided what would make sense to try to make Mike watch something. We're going to watch Star Trek First Contact which, in my opinion, is the best Star Trek The Next Generation movie. Which will be the first time my fist contacts your face. (laughs) And to help him understand a little bit about what's happening in that movie, I am going to have us watch The Best of Both Worlds, which is a two-part episode from the Star Trek The Next Generation series, the season finale cliffhanger of season three, and then the opening episode of season four, so that Mike will know who the Borg are. That's a big aspect of the movie. Plus, it'll allow us to compare and contrast so that Mike can tell me how much he hates both TV and movie (laughs) Trek. So the idea, we're actually going to approach this almost like the pause and record thing where we'll do kind of an introduction of what we're going to do. We'll watch the, the two episodes, maybe record a little bit of first impressions of those episodes, then watch the movie, and then let me scream and yell for about an hour. Yes, exactly. So maybe this will be your Justice League revenge. Yes. (laughs) I'll get my voice warmed up. (laughs) So it'll be Revenge Trek. (laughs) (laughs) That is probably going to be one of our upcoming recordings. We've actually already recorded 
what we definitely know is going to be one of the next five episodes. Which one it is, we don't know. But we did record an episode about... Black Widow. Yes, spoiler alert, only one of us liked it, and it's not who you think. Wow, who (laughs) is it, Jim? (laughs) That's a thinker. (laughs) So we're definitely going to have a Black Widow episode. We're also, since at the time that we're recording this episode, Loki just wrapped its first season. So we know at some point in the near future, we'll be recording an episode on Loki. And surprise, one of us liked it. Yeah, you can probably guess. And you can probably guess who that was. Yeah. The other one, eh. And so we know that those are definitely, we're not sure the order that those are kind of come out, but somewhere in the next five episodes are going to be those four. We were joking earlier about when when I was complaining about Cannibal the Musical that I actually do like musicals. Mm -hmm. So we're actually going to do a musical. Phantom of the Motherfucking Opera. I believe that is its official title. Most people abbreviate it to Phantom of the Opera, but yes. It's wrong. (laughs) So we're going to do an episode on Phantom of the Opera. Yes. The movie. The movie. Which we'll probably compare to the actual musical. Yes. Realistically. Come on. Of course. Yeah. Because we've seen both. Right. It's just that we can't really rewatch the theatrical. I don't know if there is a... Actually, I've got got one. a, A theatrical? Ooh. Yep. We might need to watch both, then. Oh, we'll watch both. <laughs> and this would be interesting because we both like it. Oh, yeah. And we both like both the movie and the theatrical release and mm-hmm. the music. So it'll be an interesting episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. So that's, again, we're not exactly sure the order in which those five things will happen. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Phantom of the Opera <laughs> might not be in the five. <laughs> that's also possible. But and it's also possible that we'll push Star Trek back. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and again, and again, and again. Or Mike will get really angry and just delete the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> that's possible, too. <laughs> but we're pretty sure that that's going to be, in some order, the next five episodes. So, we hope you have enjoyed listening to this random clip-laden 50th episode extravaganza of the fanboy and the hater. And I kind of hope this triggers you to go back and listen to some of those with low numbers. Yes, please mess with our numbers so that by the time that this comes out, we will be make a liar out of us. Let us know what you fucking want. Please, please tell us. Just don't tell me you want like another Cannibal the Musical episode. I might quit. The sky is blue and all that. No, don't. (laughs) Happy 50th, Mike. Yeah, you can fuck off. Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating. Write a review. Reach out to us on Twitter at Fanboy and Hater. Email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.